0: You are listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. I would like to invite you to embark with me on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is my prayer that you grow in greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Please join me as we journey to the next Stepping Stone of Faith. Hey folks, Pastor Josh here. Thank you for joining me today. Today is part two of the sermon series by Pastor Gary Steffi. This one is called You Can Win When God Is On Your Side. Right here on Stepping Stones of Faith. Enjoy.
1: It shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly sent the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands, and the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers, and held the lamps in their left hands, and the trumpets in their right hands, and go withal. and they cried, The sword of the Lord didn't give him, and I'm giving. And they stood every man in this place round about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow even throughout the, all the hosts and the hosts fled to Beth, Bethseth in Zerath and to the border of Abimelech unto Tabith what a story but so many times we read Bibles we've read before but there's so many good things in here that I want to share with you tonight. Father open up your word to our hearts God help us to get some this is an old old story but it's got some good good new things Lord To stir us and to motivate us, Lord, for the kingdom of God. Bless, Lord, the preaching of the word tonight. Lord, touch every heart and life Lord, by your spirit. And God, I'm careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. When I read this text, God made me think about what's happening in our world today. In the church today, uh, when I say church, I mean the church. I see so many people, it, I, I get troubled by it. I see so many people walking around like they just got ran over by a truck. The joy of the Lord is not there. Why that person look so, so sad? Well, we go through things. Pastor talked about that a little bit ago. And there are, there are so many people going through, through so many things, and they're so downtrodden that, that, that they're, they're missing out on what God wants to get. When I looked at this text, I see more than just the story about the pictures and the trumpets and the 300 men. I see possibility in the Lord. I see God saying to you and to I, we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. They were outnumbered. And if you know the story, Gideon had a whole lot more people than 300. But God cut him down to just 300. And there was a reason for that. But I see a group of people that were facing an enemy greater than them. Just like we face an enemy. Listen, I can't fight the devil One of the things I've been learning a lot here lately is when I'm struggling with something, I can't do it without God. I just can't. I can't fight the mental battle. My mind does not shut off. For some reason, when I was born, I did not have a switch. I had such a hard time sleeping because it don't shut off. And it's constantly going, constantly going. So I'm so thankful that, that God tells me in His Word that I can win when He's on my side. The stuff that comes at me like a tornado sometimes, I can win not because I have the ability or I have the strength, but because of God and God's ability through me to conquer. I, I, I've always had the problems. I've always been big. I was actually bigger than I I don't mean this way. I mean this way. I was taller when I was in high school. And I was muscular. And everybody thought because I was taller and muscular, I could lift houses like I can buildings in a single bound, you know. It's faster than speedy But the reality is just because I'm big doesn't mean I can do everything. It's just reality. But I can do all things through Christ. Which strengthens me. Uh, okay. Now the back... That's another whole whole thing. Go to Philippians 4 and, and read uh, chapter Chapter 4, verse 8 on, that will help you out a lot. Okay? So if we look at the background here, Gideon uh, was told by God, you got too many men. He told them what to do. He told them to go down to the water and drink. So many, how many ever drank without looking around with their face? They drank it out of the water. They were sent home. And those who laughed or took their hand or drank. The reason for that, because they were alert, they were watching. So God said, keep those, keep those. And There were 300 of them. All right? And the reason God narrowed down 300, I think we all know the reason, because if they won the battle, God didn't want them taking the credit for it. See, we have a hard time with that. And I was reading something the other day about people having a hard time with uh, with uh, I guess it was in a devotion. A woman got up and left the sanctuary, and another lady saw her. She was a visitor. She said, "Are you being so soon?" She goes, "I don't like what the preacher's preaching." The preacher happened to be preaching, not our pastor, but in this in this story. And she said, "You know, I've accomplished a lot of things, and and for, for you for that preacher standing and saying it's all because of God, I don't agree with that." Well, you know what? If God isn't in it, it ain't going to happen. All right? I, we don't accomplish things without the Lord, so. Uh, God said, no, you got too many men. Narrow it down. So he ended up with 300. God says, this victory is not going to come because of you having thousands to go against thousands. It's going to come because you trust me. Because you have faith in me. Because you look to me. And you will defeat the enemy, not on your own power, but because of my power. And so the Lord spoke to Gideon. And in verse 10 it says, now, it doesn't actually say this, but it says, but if, you, God says, but if you're afraid, you, you, can, you can take a long uh, with you. But literally, if you read it in the context, he must have been afraid because he ended up taking phura with him. Right? He said, I want you to go down to the enemy's camp. And if you're afraid, take phura. Well, the Bible says he took phura, so he must have been afraid. Now, you have to stop thinking about it. Well, I would have been afraid I go down there I, I'm not afraid of those guys are you kidding me there were thousands upon oh, thousands of them and they were the enemy sometimes we, we pat ourselves on the back but inside we're running but Gideon took Phua with him and took him into the camp and while he in the camp they heard a dream that one of the, Midian, the Midianites, had and, and then the interpretation of the, dream, of the dream was given and so Gideon got all excited and he says let's, let's worship God Now, I'm going to tell you something here that I learned from this story. The worship didn't come after the victory. The worship came before the victory. It came before the victory, not after the victory. Now, there's so many things I want to say here, but because of limited time, I'm going to have to jump over some of them. But I've got a question for you. This This is not for you to answer, but for you to think about. When God told Gideon to do this, when Gideon heard the dream and he rose up and he went and told the, the people that, that you're, you're, we're going to be victorious, God's given them into our hand. Did God equip them with some kind of superpower, or weapon or something? Did, did God give them a, a nuclear bomb? Did, did he equip them with, a, with a, a hundred zillion horses to stampede them? No. They, God didn't give them anything. What God gave them was hope. See, this was the people that thought, this is it, man. If we don't beat these people, they're going to wipe us off the face of the earth. And, and, and God, you want us to go up against these thousand upon thousand with 300 people. And God said, you just go down and do what I tell you. And he did. And he heard. And he had to rejoice. No weapons were given them. God didn't send down a legion of angels. God gave them hope. Gideon, do what I tell you to do. And you're going to win. You're going to be victorious. And that's what Gideon took back to the end. Listen, you and I as Christians need to encourage other Christians to not give up that there is hope in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we look for outside help. Even the most faithful believers sometimes look for outside, outside help when we're fighting a battle or we're struggling with something. Gideon wasn't going to find outside help. He went to the Lord and the Lord told him what to do. He obeyed the Lord. And God gave him 300 men to go up against the thousand, but he gave him something more. He gave him hope. He gave him purpose. He gave him a vision. Just do this, Gideon, and you're going to come out victorious. God did not give them anything except light, trumpets, a lamp, and inside that lamp was a little candle or lamp. Inside the will have daylight. They busted that. The light shone and the enemy got confused and began killing off each other. And God gave them the victory. God gave them only one thing. All they had was light. Listen to me tonight because I, I really feel God wants us to understand this. When we're facing the battles in life, and we're going to face the battles. And we're, we're all, we already talked tonight about the battles that some are going through and the struggles and the things that are happening in our lives and in our world. We look for things that try to help us fight the battle. This is one of the things God has been dealing with me about. I can't fight the battle and win. I'll lose every time. I'll lose every time. And I get discouraged when I lose, Pastor. I've always been one that wants to be on the winning team. And when you lose, it's hard to swallow. God didn't give them anything but light. That's all they had was light. That's all they needed was light. And who is our light? Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's all they had. They didn't find it anywhere else. And we need, to, as believers today, especially today, quit looking everywhere else for an answer to give us the victory. Christ is the answer for all our longings. Christ is the answer for all our needs. He's our Savior, Baptizer, the Great Physician. That's all we need. They only had lights. Now here's the problem. If we're not in a relationship with Him, we don't have light. And if we let our relationship grow cold with Him, I don't care if you've been in church for 50 years. Some of the most miserable people I've met in my life, and I've been in ministry for 36 years, are people who have been in church most of their life. And they're miserable. Why? They've lost the light. It's gloom and doom for them. They haven't, they haven't went back to where they first started. We're told this in Revelation. Return to your first love. Get that light. And you know the good thing about it? If there's an ember burning, you can cause that to flame up again as you surrender yourself and turn back over to the Lord. But there's some things we need to have. We don't just take that light and Hey, I'll take one of them. It's not like we're going to the store and and, and buying a donut over the the counter. I'll take one of those chocolate filled ones. One of those cream filled ones. That's That's not how we get this light. We get this light because it begins in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That relationship comes because of faith. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ simply because you show up to church. Or you say, yeah, I know him. Faith, pistis. Believeth. The word believeth from the word root word being pistis is the word "pistuo," which means totally entrusting oneself to Christ. That's how we get it. To get this place where we have no confidence in, or confidence in anything else. But we have all the confidence in God and Jesus Christ, the light of the world. It starts with faith. It starts with faith. It doesn't start with anything else. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 we know this text. And verse 6. What's it say? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6. But without faith it's impossible to please who? The devil? No. It's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith must be in God. Not in things, not in people, but faith to get the victory, faith to defeat the enemy, faith to conquer the problem has to be in God. Because I can't win the battles of life. I just can't. I'm 67 years old now, and it seems like the battles get harder and harder and harder. And I'm realizing finally after all this time, Hey, I don't have to fight so hard. All I have to do is believe and trust God. God, this is is happening in my life, and I'm I'm losing the battle, God. God says, I hear you, and I'll help you. And when I fail, I know I fail more than God. I have no place I can go to get that, that... Joy, get that light back, but right back to Him and say, Lord, i let you down again. i fail failed you, Lord. Please give me that light. Refresh it, Lord. Build me up and help me, Lord, to shine that others might see. Faith must be in God and it must be through God, not in faith itself. I've met a lot of people who had faith in faith. I remember a young man we went to visit a church when we were Bible college. We were down in Waxahatche, Texas. If you can say that several times without stumbling, you're good. But we were looking for a church that we wanted to be a part of, so we went and visited this one church. Well, they we had a young man from a, a non-AG college come, I and he was preaching that night. He must have said the word "faith" 750 times. The problem was there was nothing in between it. You got to have faith. He kept saying, "You got to have faith. You got to have faith. You got to have faith." He never got me any, anywhere beyond that. I thought, "Wow. Well, how do you get it? I wish he'd have told everybody at that time." Faith is not in faith itself. Faith has to be in God. Totally trust, trusting oneself to God. The facts, the facts or the outcome is dependent on that faith in God. We don't have it in God. We have it in something that's not of God. Amen? Amen. In 1 John, the 1st epistle of John chapter 5 and verse 4. 1st epistle of John 5 and 4. Simple scripture says, For whatsoever is born of God, we understand that because we're all Christians. Whatsoever is born of God, who's been born again understands. We've been born of God, we've been made new through Him. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our doubts, even our faith. Faith in what? The world? Absolutely not. You got faith in a world. I need praise praise the average because this world is in big trouble. No, our faith comes from that relationship with God and we know that we will overcome the world. And you know what that means? That means every battle, everything we encounter in the world, we can overcome it because our faith is in Him and mm-hmm. not in the things of this world. No matter how hard that believe me, my wife and I have been through some things we, we and we look at things like, what can we do about it? What can we do about it? We had both of us had major surgeries within two weeks of each other. And, and we were fairly young Christians at the time. We said, we can't do a thing about it. God, is in your hands. It's in your hands. I'm not going to tell you much about my brain surgery because they did put brain up there. So, you know, we'll just leave it at that. The new birth is necessary in order for us to have this overcoming attitude in God. Now I can't overcome the world, but it says for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Amen. Just because I'm big and I was muscular when I was young, I couldn't overcome the world, because most of the world we have to fight is right here. Amen. Amen? Right here and here. It's not the stuff. Now going back to Judges, we didn't read this first, back in Judges first, uh, chapter 7, verse 10. <laughs> This is where God speaks to, to uh, uh, Gideon. He says, But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Furah, thy servant down to the host. Now listen to this, because God dropped this in my heart, and, it, and, and it, it, just, it put joy in my heart. This is what God put in my heart about this comment. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Phura thy servant down to the host. Sometimes, Because we're human. Sometimes fear replaces faith. And when fear replaces faith, obedience must take over. Did you get that? When fear replaces faith, obedience must take over. Then faith can be restored. It's one of those things where you don't feel like you can do it, you do it anyway because God said do it. When fear overwhelms you and you don't know, I I can't believe God for this. Just do it anyway. Because when you do it in obedience to the Lord, God restores your faith. He builds it back up. And you say, thanks be unto God. Faith is trust. They're interchangeable. Amen? Trust the Lord. Have faith in the Lord. Do it anyway, even if you don't think you can. If you don't think you can i, I got to continue on, June, on this, okay? If you can ask, save it, I'll answer to you for you afterwards. Because it's kind of hard for me to stop on this, okay? Cool. I'll get you after that. In verse 15 of chapter 7, going back there to where we started, it's basically telling us faith is assurance and trust in God is not what we see. Now, you imagine Gideon. Gideon says, Wow!
0: Man, they got a lot of people out there.
1: They're gonna whoop up on us. God says, all right, gather everybody together and gathers everybody here. God says, you got too many. Are you
2: kidding me?
1: Too many. God's saying, listen, Gideon, quit looking at the stuff and look to me. Quit looking at the enemy and look to me. We can do this. We can do this. Thanks be unto God, God. When there's faith in God and we trust in God, we can defeat the enemy. Amen? Mm-hmm. Secondly, all right, we've got to have faith. Don't get anywhere without faith. Second thing is we need to obey. How many of you would be honest and raise your hand? or oh, you don't have to raise your hand. But I don't When God has told you to do something and you didn't do it right away. Oh, honest people. I love that, Pastor. Honest people. Yeah. And then we wonder why things go south. I don't mean Florida. I mean south. Sour. South. Whatever you want to use that. We we need to obey. You know, sometimes God tells us to do things that seem pretty impossible. I want you to do this. Are you kidding me, God? Why? I can't go talk to my neighbor. They are mean. You ever ask yourself why they're mean? Pastor talked today about Connie. I've discovered a lot of times when I've stepped out in obedience to God, what I thought was the furthest thing from the truth. I've been blessed because I've obeyed. How many of you have been blessed because you've obeyed? Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, part B, I don't do that. Chapter 15, verse 22, part B, it says, Behold, we know this one, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. Now, I had a problem, Pastor, as I looked, I said, what does it mean to hearken than the fat of rams? I looked at everything I could find about what in the world does that mean, the fat of rams. Now, I know when they did sacrifices, they burned everything and such, etc. And so I I kept on looking. I probably spent an hour just for this one particular verse. And I found in the Good News translation where it was worded differently. And I like this on the shirt. It says in verse 22 of the Good News Translation, It is better to obey him than to sacrifice the best sheep to him. So in the King James Version, when it says, "and Hearken then the fat of man. It's talking about the, the beast, the lamb, the animal that's being offered. In whole, calling it the fat of, 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 of rams. So, it's better to obey him that, than to sacrifice the best sheep to him is what it has in the, good, in the Good News translation. All right? Now, I want to share this with you because I accidentally came across sometimes best it. Sometimes, Pastor, the things you come across that are accidental are the most enjoyable. Mm-hmm. We all know who Johnny Erickson taught is. Right? Very much of an inspiration. Uh, when I first got saved, it was not long after she had, had her accident. But she said this, and I, 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 I want to quote it for you. And I quote, she says, Like I said... We are very much like Saul. We try to justify our disobedience with a show of religion. We remain in an evil trade, thinking that we can then earn more to give to the Lord. We share our testimony in Christ, all the while bending the truth to make it more interesting. We hold on to a small but corrupt habit with the excuse that we balance it out with faithful attendance. At prayer meetings and choir rehearsals. It's all ram fat, she says. It's all sheep and cattle from the Amalekites, unquote. Mm-hmm. So all our best efforts is just blood. It's just the fat of the rams. I like that. Thank you, Joni Erickson Top. James chapter two, verse 17 says, even so faith, if it hath not works." is dead, being alone. It's one thing to say, I have faith. It's another thing to show it. Now, too many people get the idea, oh, I'm going to show them my faith. That's not faith. That's lack of muscles or whatever. We don't show faith by publicly announcing we're going to show them our faith. We walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Showing our faith means we actually do what God tells us to do and people see that. I don't come to church because I have to. I come to church because I want to. And when somebody says, oh, you don't have to go to church, they say, yeah, I do. Well, why? They're not going to shoot you or something. Yes, he will. No, I'm just kidding. No, I show them and and I I show them by my life that I love being in God's house. I don't come because I have to be here. If I had to be here, I wouldn't come on Sunday nights. I love being in God's house. I love talking about Jesus to people. And you know what? There are a lot of people right around here in the stores and the restaurants that are hungry for the gospel. They're just waiting for somebody to talk to and to share their faith and to give what God gave you to give. Your testimony. Faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead. I've met a lot of people in 36 years of the ministry who bragged about their faith and never won a soul to the Lord. I pastored a congregation of great people; they paid their tithes. Most pastors would be happy with that, but they wouldn't witness. They wouldn't invite people to church. I would pulling my hair out. It grew back, thank God. But faith has to have some feet to it. It has to be active. It don't do any goodness to say, I, I have faith, I believe God. Oh, really? Prove it. What did God tell us to do? Go ye therefore. I said in Sunday school class today, two-thirds of the name of God is go. Go ye into all world preaching gospel. That's next door to your neighbors. That's in the McDonald's or the Wendy's or wherever you might go. Share your faith.
2: Yeah.
1: It's not an option, folks. Right. It's a requirement. Give what you've been given. You've been given hope. You've been given joy. You've been given faith to believe in God. Give it away so others might enjoy it as well. Amen. We need to obey. Acts 5.29 says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Oh, sometimes I have visions of wonderful things. Like, what if? What if every believer... Every believer in in this country would stand up and say, no, I am not going to go into that bar with you. No, I will not participate in that sinful activity. What if every believer just stood up and demonstrated faith? What if they just stood up and said, no, I will not? Well, why not? Because I love God. That's why I'm not going to do it. I love my Lord and Savior. And I will not shame his name by doing this or going there. What would happen to this country who is a good dream, is it a pastor? It's a good dream to believe that could possibly happen, to turn our world upside down. We better take a stand. We ought to obey God rather than the men. And believe me, I, being a preacher, um, I was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, when they started saying, Well, you know, you're not going to be able to say anything about homosexuality in the pulpit. I said, I, I have a problem with that because the word of God comes I share the word of God. So, well, what if they come and get you and arrest you, Pastor, and haul you off? I said, I guess I'll have to preach to the people in jail then.
2: Good
1: you know, uh, I, I got to do what God tells me to you know, do. I don't want to compromise the best thing that any person has a chance to hear. That person that you might be concerned about offending needs to hear about the love of God. They need to see it in action. They need to see you being what you say you are. I'm a believer, and I won't compromise my life to please man. Somebody say, "Amen." Amen. We ought to be obey God rather than man. I've got the news for you: that means us. It no, it's not just one. Of, oh, that was just back. That was way back there, hundreds of years ago, Pastor. No, that means us. We ought to obey God rather than man. That means our emotions, our thoughts, our knowledge everything about us needs to be in obedience to God. When God says, go, go. When God says, do, do. When God says, stop, stop. We need to be in obedience to Him because when we're in obedience to Him, that's when the good things happen. That's when the good stuff starts transpiring. That's when people start seeing and start changing, start asking. You ever had anybody come up to you and say, well, why are you so different? There's something about you. What, what is it? One of the joys of my life was when I was pioneering my first church. My wife and I were pioneering. I didn't do it on my own. She always been my partner. But I had to get a job. I had no income. It's been a lot in the ministry, but God is gracious. Amen. He has blessed us. But I had to get a job. And this job was in a building that enclosed. It didn't actually have one, but it was the size of four football fields. One building. Four football fields. And I worked in the tote room. I got to take these plastic containers and dump all the garbage out of them and hang them on a hook and run them through a washer. That was like, you are a preacher? That's right. Preachers do things like that. And I remember my first week there. I'm back there and I'm singing and praising God and I'm whistling and I'm dumping the trash and hanging the hooks. And I happen to look over and I see, you you ever seen the the Three Stooges? (laughs) And you know you see their heads stacked up looking around the corner like that? I looked over it and there were seven heads. Seven heads looking around the corner. I said, "Hi, ladies!" And they were. Well, a little later, I'm walking out through the rest of the plant, and one of them says, "What is it about you?" I said, "What do you mean?" She says, "Nobody can be this happy at six o'clock in the morning." I said, "Well, I am. Why?" I said, "Jesus Christ, huh? I got to share the gospel with those Mary Larry Mullen Curleys. With everybody in that place. Because they saw the joy the Lord gave, And every morning I walk in there singing and whistling. And some of them stop and say. That's ridiculous. And I said. Not to me. It's all about Jesus. I got to take a, a, an opportunity at that time. To take a young backslidden Nazarene boy. And lead him back to the throne of grace. And see God change you. If I hadn't went in there with that attitude. Of saying. God is not about me, it's about you. And and to share my faith and to be joyful in the things that I have. I would have never had that opportunity. How much, folks, do we miss when we're not walking in obedience? How much do we miss? How many people lose out because of that? Mm. John 7, 17 says, If a man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine of the doctrine rather be of God or rather I speak of myself hmm some people say well I don't know uh, I don't know I don't, what's that say? what's that mean you know what, understanding it comes from the relationship you have with God and obedience to him the word the word will become clearer, clearer because obedience clarifies the truth when we're walking in obedience, truth is clear. So, oh, there's no question. I don't have any question about, well, God, is this right or wrong? Should I be doing this? Because inside, if I'm living in the Lord and walking in the Spirit, inside the Holy Spirit ah, uh, ah. But if I'm doing my own thing, I'm just diddy bopping through life. Hey, this was like fun. Yeah, I'll do this. Uh, I'm sure it's alright. God do not mind. I've heard that before. Then I'm not gonna know. But when I am walking in the Spirit, when I am in obedience to what God tells me to do, and I'm following His Word, it's as clear as a bell whether it's right or wrong. I don't have to wonder, oh, should I be doing this as a Christian? No, because God's made it clear to me. Amen? Somebody give you one amen? Hey, anyway, thank you, honey. I'm in my life. All right, now, faith and obedience. Thank God for faith and obedience. But we have to have the most important thing. And we were already touched on it. We have to have the light. If Jesus isn't living in us, if we don't have the light shining through us, we're not going to touch very many people with the truth. Shining through us, what does that mean? Preach, I hear preachers talking about it. Let the light of Jesus shine through you. I've never seen a light come out of you yet. Well, I could have brought my flashlight. But I'm not talking about an actual light. I'm talking about things that reveal... You follow me? When we're walking in the Lord and we're living in the Spirit and we're obedient to God, then out of our person, out of our being will come things that will reveal. That's why people will come up to you and say, Are you a Christian? That happened in my life. I grew up in Pennsylvania visiting our daughter. Never been out there before. I think we went going to see some waterfall or something. Ahead. And we're standing on this walkway. And these people come up and say, You're a Christian, aren't you? Uh, yeah, you know, we, we can just tell. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it means that we want people to see Christ in us the hope of glory. Now am I perfect? Are you kidding me? I'm still working on it and God's still working on me. But I'm telling you what I understand to be the truth. When I am walking in the Lord, when I'm in obedience to Him, when I have Him as my Lord and Savior in my life, The light that He puts in my life Himself will begin to reveal things to people. They'll begin to understand. They'll begin to, you know, you ever hear people talk about being a magnet? I don't mean a chick magnet either. I'm talking about being a magnet for the Lord. You ever been around somebody you just like to go up and stand next to them when they're talking? That there's just something about them? Yeah, I, I, there was a woman in our church. I just loved the list. I go up just stand listen to her talk because she loved Jesus so much. It just drew me to her. You know who I'm talking about. Pauline Warfield. Just something about people like that. Roscoe Russell. Oh. Roscoe Russell. Did you ever know him? Man, I love that man. He'd always get together. And we'd sit down and he'd go, I need to tell you this. And he's tapping his finger. I was mesmerized. And he would begin to share his love of Jesus and the knowledge that God gave him. And I was like a dry sponge. To soak it all up. That's what we need to be in our society today. We need to have that light so flooding our lives that it attracts people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Judges 7.16 says, And he divided the 300 men into three companies. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, if you want to think that way. Right. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. They didn't carry any weapons. Can you imagine that? It's bad enough. God says you got too many people. Narrow it down. Okay, three hundred is fine. All right now, I want you to go into battle. But God, we don't have any weapons. Yeah, you do. You have a trumpet. You have a lamp, and you have a light. Now go. Uh-huh. I'm not going there. No, give me a bazooka. Okay, or Sherman Tank. I'm not going, if I don't, come on, God. You're, you're, no, God gave them no weapons. They carried no weapons except the weapons of faith, the weapon of obedience, and the weapon of light. That's all they had. And they put the enemy to flight. The devil ha- hanging around you causing you trouble and disrupting your family. Okay? And you're tired of fighting with everything, and you've read every book, and you've listened to every CD, and watched every Christian program, and he's still there. Take your light, take your obedience, and take the word of God. And go up against the enemy, not in your own strength, not in your own abilities, but in the Lord. Faith, obedience, and light. The only weapons that Gideon had in those 300 men. And he put the enemy to flight. Yeah, the preacher. We don't fight the Gideons. We don't fight the Midianites. We're not Gideon. We're fighting somebody. Oh, it's called ISIS. No, I'm not fighting ISIS. Neither are you. That's the philosophy. It's a false religion. And the only way to beat it is, is through the power of Jesus Christ. Not with bombs and guns, but with the word of the power of Jesus Christ. Who are our enemies today? How about darkness, evil, sin, whatever, whatever you want to tag it. Label it whatever you want. But our enemy is not people. The enemy is definitely not the pastor. He's on our side, I'm telling you. The enemy is not places. The enemy is not things. The enemy is darkness, evil, sin, not people. When somebody does you wrong, the first thing we do, and I'm guilty of it, well I forget them. Why, if they're going to treat me that way, I just won't be around them anymore. Had a miss like that not too long ago in my life. Then I talked to the Lord. The Lord says, get your light. <laughs> you got to change that attitude. Man, so hard when God corrects you, isn't it? No. I'm going to win. You're going to win. Because of God in our life. Because we obey Him. Because... We have faith in him and cause his light shines through us. Amen? Well, something I learned a long, long time ago, I don't even know how it happened to him, but I know it was as clear as the nose on my face. Not quite as big, but it was clear as the nose on my face. And this, was the, this is what I learned. I cannot fight spiritual things with carnal methods. I cannot fight spiritual things with carnal methods. It just don't work. Our weapons, therefore, cannot be carnal. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. There you go. I didn't make that up, Brian. But spiritual and mighty through God to the pulling down of spiritual strongholds. My victory is going to come, not because of the weapons I have, because of the carnal methods that I might use. My victory is going to come through the spiritual method of God working in my life Pulling down the strongholds that might be in my way. Thanks be unto God. We defeat darkness with light. Now, when I was pastoring my church, uh, as a small church, I could do that I'd say, Lawrence, go over and shut the lights off. And Lawrence would go over and he'd shut the lights off and it would be pitch black. Oh, people, ah! I said, turn them on. And guess what? As Susie flipped the switch, what happened? Darkness You know, if we darkened this building and just took out a match and struck it, guess what would happen to darkness? That's what light does. Now think about that in your life. If the light of the world is living in you and he's shining forth in your life, what has to happen to darkness? It's got to get out of there. It's going to boogie on off because you are living with the light of Jesus Christ in your life. And it's going to make a difference in your world. We defeat darkness with light, not weapons, not methods, but with light. And Jesus was and is and ever shall be the light of this world that dispels the darkness of this world. I can't do it. I can light a match, but that match isn't going to go out. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, God says he can raise up a standard against him. And it doesn't mean you can build a, dock, a, a a dam for you. He's going to raise up the standard of the spiritual power, the Holy Spirit, the light of the world, that's going to cause that enemy to flee. So if light dispels darkness, and it does, and Jesus said to his disciples, ye are the light of the world, according to Matthew 5.14, then it only makes sense, stay with me, it only makes sense that any darkness in our lives and the lives of others can be dispelled by that very same light. you got somebody who's struggling in life. Or they might be a sinner and they might be a backslidden Christian or they might be a Christian that's just struggling with things. And you want to help them so bad. And so you take them over five books to read. And you give them a couple of CDs. Most of the time when I've had this happen, most of the time they don't read them and they don't listen. But how about if you sit down with them heart to heart and you show that kindness that pastor talked about today. You take a hold of their hand and you look them in the eye and say, let's pray. Let's reach out to Jesus Christ and let that light just begin to well up inside you and burst forth and the Holy Spirit began to work in their life. I believe God can do that. I believe the power of God is so wonderful that we haven't even tapped it yet. That when we are where we need to be, people will sense that. And they will want to sit down. Even people that don't want to be around you normally, will sit down and let you talk to them. Because something is happening that's not you. It's the Spirit of God working through you. The light is shining. Somebody say amen. amen. Back in Judges 7.20, there's this thought that came to my mind when I read that. God gave them a trumpet. A lamp and a light. And I'm sure that some of them stood there going, Huh? What am I supposed to do with this? What, just, are you kidding? Bust the, are you not, this, I'm going to get killed as soon as they see the light, they're going to shoot me. Well, they didn't have guns Number one. line. Alright? You've got to think the way some people might have thought at that time. If I bust the light and they see the light. Now, I've often said to my wife when we're watching the show on television, and they're hunting for somebody. And they're going down a, a, a dark corridor. And the FBI pull out their flashlights. I said, are you kidding me? If I was the bad guy I would focus on that light, shoot him. you know what I'm saying? So this you got to think the way people think. So you can almost see those 300 things. That if I bust this and they see the light, I'm dead. It's called faith. It's called obedience. It's called the light of God. God used the light to confuse the enemy. Not get you killed. When Jesus says, share the light, let the light shine in you, it's not going to get you killed. Unless you live maybe over in Afghanistan. But let it shine anyway and trust God to protect you. I love missionaries and I just have so much respect for them. To be able to live in places like that. And they they live without fear. Why? Because they have the light in them. And they walk in faith and believe God. And God makes things happen. Your light cannot remain hidden. It wouldn't have been any good for them to have a trumpet in the lab. If they didn't bust it until the light would shine. That was God's plan. Let the light shine. You can't remain hidden an unbusted lamp. You've got to bust your own personal lamp and let the light of Jesus light. What is that personal lamp? That's the fears that we have. Fears not of God, we all know that. Those things that we just, we just don't want to do because we don't feel comfortable with it. Obedience. Remember? Obedience. When you bust the lamp, you're saying, God, I trust you that the light will shine and it will spread around and people will be touched. But if I hide my light, I'm gonna lose, and the light's gonna go out. And nobody's touched by the light. Wow, thank you, Jesus. That light cannot be hidden, but it must be. God's will says it must be, revealed as a candlestick or a city set upon a hill. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to do. Amen. Two more hours, Pastor, I'll be In Ephesians 5.8. I want you to focus on one word here. For ye were sometimes darkness. For ye were sometimes darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now here's two things it says to me. We were all once darkness. We were living in sin. We were bound by sin. We were in the dark. But Jesus came, turned the light on, saved our souls,
0: and now we have hope of
1: eternal life. Now Jesus said, now you that I've given the light to, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. Oh, kids had it right, Pastor. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Light must shine through. We are to be the example. Jesus was our example. He said, now you go and
2: be that example. Let it
1: shine. Back in Judges 7:16, I'm going to refresh you on this again. He's, he, he, he divided those 300 men, three different companies, empty, pitchers, lap. Now, he said, the light must be in a vessel. And you're to hold the trumpet in one hand and blow it and bust the lamp and hold the lamp in the other hand. All right? So light must be in a vessel. Guess who's the vessel today? That's you and I. And like the men of Gideon, we must reveal the light in our vessels if we are to defeat the enemy. We've got to reveal the light in our vessel. And it's got to be more than just singing this little light of mine. Shine through me, Jesus. Shine, shine, shine. There's a lot of songs written about shine, but we need to do more than sing about it. We need to manifest it. Somebody say amen. That was weak, but we'll
2: So we have the light. Like the men of Gideon, we
1: have to let it be revealed. The pictures had to be broken in verse 19 before the light would shine. Sometimes our light don't shine because we're not broken. Um, We're so proud of ourselves because I've been in church for 30 years. Actually, I had a woman stand up and say this in one of the churches I was in in Texas when I was in Bible college. She said, "I've served God for forty years, and now it's your turn." I said, "Oh, God you're giving out retirement plans. You get a gold watch because you get forty years in. It doesn't work that way. We don't stop shining because we got forty years in." we got to continue to let our light shine. We've got to continue to, to, to give it forth. And we've got to be broken. We can't be patting ourselves on the back saying, Boy, well, I got in; my, I put in the dark. Well, I've been at that church for so long. I should get a little watch because I've been a member there. That's not letting your light shine. That's letting pride rise up. we got to remain broken. Jesus, use me. And oh, Lord, don't refuse me. For surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. My will to grow up. be broken, and let God work through you. Pride and selfishness can never
2: reveal the light. As a matter of fact, pride and
1: selfishness will dim the light or put it out. Let me conclude. How am I doing, Pastor? I got my clock. What? It keeps going off. Oh, I'm within reason. Don't quit. Cast me out. Back in verse eight of Judges chapter seven. It describes it describes where Gideon was and the children of Israel in relation to where the children of the Midianites were. And it says this and the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. It was beneath him in the valley. And I like that, and I'll tell you why I like it. Before the light could have its greatest effect, before the light could have its greatest effect, it had to be elevated. They were on the hills round about the Midianites, right? So in order for the light to have its greatest effect, the light had to be elevated. Mm -hmm. Stay with me. If that was true then, it's more true today. If we want the light to shine, we've got to elevate Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We've got to quit thinking about ourselves. It's not about us, it's about Him. We need to elevate Christ and quit elevating ourselves. I am just a vessel. Every time I get up here, I realize I'm nothing without God. This is His word. It's not my word. I've got to elevate Him as Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in my soul. It's not me. So we have to elevate the light just as they did. And when they elevated the light, the enemy became confused. And became can destroyed destroy themselves. We must elevate Christ in our life to dispel the darkness. We must lift him up. If the enemy's coming in like a flood, he's the only one who can stop it. I can't. Pastor Jarvis can't. You know, son, because I've been in the ministry for so long, I used to get those phone calls. So many people believe the pastor has some kind of power they, that they don't have in the Holy Spirit. That he can just hold up his hand and a wall will come up and stop it all. Guess what? We don't have that. They didn't give it to me in Bible college unless they gave it to you. I didn't get it. Now pastors are human beings with feelings and hurts and pains and battles and struggles too. We've got to lift up the light just like everyone else because it's the light that dispels the darkness. And when the light dispels the darkness, guess what? People begin to see that. Hey, I want to go to that church because something good's happening on people come out of there and they're happy and they're bouncing their step and they're praising God and why so-and-so stopped over and prayed for me the other day. Oh, wow. Just imagine all the things that could happen. We elevate the light in our life and it dispels the darkness. And when darkness is spelled, guess what? People can see. Don't you know? no bump the toe on the door. You know? People see when the light is elevated. Judges 7.21. I'm going to finish out with this, I think. Yes, I am. Oh, no. Sorry. One more after that. It says when they did this, when they did this, all the host ran. That means the enemy. All the hosts ran and cried and fled. <laughs> the enemy didn't know what was what. They didn't know if they were coming or going or already been there. You know what I'm saying? They were, they were losing because the light scared them. Then and only then will the enemy flee from before us as he fled before them, is when we elevate the light and we let it shine. No kidding? No compromise, no carnal means, no program, no guest speaker, no new style of worship, no rock band. Nobody can bring the light but Jesus Christ. We got to let Him shine through us. Listen, I've been in a lot of churches, a lot of good churches, and there can be a lot of stuff going on. But if the people of God's church, if the people of God are not letting the light shine, it's not going to fill these chairs up. Sorry, pastors are not miracle workers. God's the miracle worker when we let the light shine and people are exposed to that light and they're drawn to that listen, I don't know about you but if I'm out driving on a road I've never been on before and there's no street lights I'm going to slow down and go, oh man, where in the world am I at? and the first time I see a light oh yeah, okay I know where I'm going when people see the light of Jesus Christ in our life they can steer the course say, yeah, this is where I want to go but we've got to be where we need to be and the light's got to shine none of those things can dispel the dark, darkness only light only light last verse Romans 13 12 Romans 13 12 the night I'm not talking about tonight because it's just yet. the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of lights. What's this talking about? There's coming a time, and I don't think it's that far away, where Jesus is coming back. We, we can't be dilly-dallying around in the darkness. We can't be walking it. We can't be trying to hide things from God. We've we got to put it out there. Lord, here, Lord I'm, I'm a mess. You know, God understands we're not perfect. God knows that we're not going to do everything right. But what God does know also is he wants us to come to him and say, Lord, I messed up again. Please help me. Don't stay in the darkness. We don't have to stay in the darkness. We can come out. Forgiveness is given by God because we come to him into the light. You're not going to find forgiveness staying in the darkness. It just doesn't happen. The night is far spent. It's getting late. It's getting late. And the day, the day is about ready to pop up. The, the new day. Who knows Jesus could come tomorrow on Monday. I don't know that. He could. So it says let us. Now who's he talking to here? He's not talking to the sinner out there. He's talking to the believer. Let us cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Before we can reveal the light. We must rid ourselves of the works of darkness. And we will win. We will win because of Jesus Christ. We will win because of the Holy Spirit. We will win because we're walking in faith and obedience and allowing the light to shine. And when this happens in our life, listen, i got news for you. We do not have to have a church of 5,000 to impact Akron. Right here is enough people in this building right now to impact Akron when the light shines. When we allow Jesus to shine through us and do the things that he wants to do.
0: Gideon and the army
1: of 300 did not conquer because they had everything going for them. They conquered because they had God on their side. Because they were in obedience to him. Because they allowed God to work through them and do what he wanted them to do in obedience the light shined. The enemy was destroyed. And guess what? Gideon did not win because he had many. But because he had few. They didn't say look what we've done. They gave glory to God. This night God gave us the victory. That's what we need to understand. Whatever you're facing. And we all face things. Whatever battles you're having. We all have battles. The only answer is the walk in obedience. Have faith in God and let the light shine through. Let that light shine through and he will dispel the darkness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word. Lord, as many times as I've read that scripture, it's just powerful, Lord. It's just powerful to know that God, the simplest things done in obedience can conquer the enemy. God, thank you. Thank you for Gideon. Thank you for the 300. Thank you for, Lord, what we can learn over and over. There's so many other things we can talk about. But God, thank you tonight. Thank you tonight, Lord, that we, we can know. We can know the enemy who comes in like a flood can be dispelled. But, Lord, we walk in obedience, believing you, trusting you, and let the light shine through our lives. Not only, Lord, can it bring victory to us, but lady, that light shine can bring victory to our loved ones, our lost loved ones, our neighbors and those we work with because Jesus is the light. And no one can dispel the darkness but Jesus. Sinners will never become saints without the light. Father, help us to be what you want us to be and to do what you want us to do and to walk, Lord, in obedience. With those things you say to go and to do, Lord, it might seem difficult. Lord, help us when... When fear replaces faith, just to do it in obedience and allow you to work. Father, thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Whatever, Lord, they might be going through, God, shine the light. Just let the light shine. And God, let them see the victory through Jesus Christ. Because, Lord, without you, we cannot win. But with you, your word says, all things are possible. And we thank you in the name of the above, every name the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... Amen. God bless you. Thank you for
0: being here. Pastor. Folks, thank you for joining me today. I'm Pastor Josh. Once again, I hope you enjoyed the two part sermon series by Pastor Gary Steffi, a wonderful man of ministry, a wonderful man of God, who mentored me since the age of 12 years old to be a man of God, a person of encouragement, and a person of good standing. So, thank you, Pastor Gary Steffi, for your input in my life. Thank you for listening today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he turn his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Until next time, I'm Pastor Josh. God bless you, and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. If you find value in this content, please consider subscribing. You can also find an audio podcast of this video on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today. God bless.